You're listening to the Water in Real Life podcast, the podcast for people who want to become better leaders by becoming better communicators. Why? Because those who tell the stories rule the world. We're your hosts, the H2 duo, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Hey, y'all. Are you ready to nerd out? We are so excited about our guest. We're back. Um, We're super excited to be kicking off season five during Virtual Catalyst 2021. I mean, this is a, this is first for us and I can't think of anyone else I'd rather nerd out about as we kick off this uh, season five than with somebody who shares our love for, for design thinking. We are so excited to be joined by Chris Paccioni. He's the CEO and co-founder of Luma Institute. He's passionate about universal design literacy, and he's a frequent speaker on the topics of design and innovation around the world. He is co-author of The Luma System that we literally use every single day. We do. And the book Innovating for People, which I have now added to my Amazon book list. So, Chris, welcome. Thank you both. Thank you both for having me. I'm excited to nerd out on design, one of my favorite topics, and uh, I appreciate you having me. Yeah. So for all of our water fam in the room or with your, with your earbuds on, or just watching us on YouTube, um, as you know, we like to bring in guests who are not from the water sector. And so we have promised Chris that we will not quiz him on any of the things that we've talked to him about the sector, but, um, design thinking has been so fundamental to the work that we do in building relationships with our clients, with the people we serve, with the communities that they serve, that I wanted to bring in an expert in the matter to talk to us about this as well. So, um, and Chris, as you're aware from our first conversation, we are super nerds about design thinking, but some in the audience may not be as familiar. So can you give us your definition and a little about Luma's approach to design thinking? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm happy to. Um, so, um, you know, I, I found that when trying to explain what design thinking is to people who may be new to the concept, um, uh, that it's useful to clarify what design is first. <laughs> and and uh, my go-to definition for design um, was uh, put forth by a, a very smart guy by the name of Herb Simon. He was a professor at Carnegie Mellon University, where I used to teach. Uh, but he's you know he's famous for his works and writings as an economist, not as a designer per se, uh, and a cognitive scientist. Uh, I believe he won the Nobel Prize for economics uh, in the seventies. I believe. Whoa, a pretty smart dude. And in, in yeah, one in one of bit. his books called Sciences of the Artificial, which was a book published in the late 60s and was especially influential in the design theory movement at the time, Buckminster Fuller, Fuller all that kind of stuff. He writes, um, and, and I have this committed to memory, um, everyone designs, uh, let me repeat that, everyone designs who devises courses of action aimed at changing existing situations into preferred ones. Uh, I love that definition. Um, and if you if you've ever taken a Luma course or 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 used our book, uh, you will see that it, uh, we are quite fond uh, of this definition. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's because we interpret this to mean that uh, design is something that we all do. Um, you know, although there are specific design professions for which people are trained, right? Fashion design, product design, building design. Uh, Simon 
Simon says, <laughs> uh, <laughs> design is something we all do because everything man-made is designed. And not just tangible things like clothes and cars, but intangible things such as strategies and processes and policies and laws. And according to Simon, we humans make these things for one primary purpose, to change the less than optimal existing situations into better ones, right? And so I often ask people when I'm speaking to an audience, uh, and maybe I'll ask everybody here, but we won't have a chance to sort of raise our hands or, or respond. So this is a podcast, but you know, I'll, I'll often say like, how many people here design? And depending on the audience, typically only 10% to 30% of the people raise their hands. And, and, and you know, the reason is that they have been conditioned to understand design as this thing which only professional designers do, right? right. And, and because they don't make toasters and posters, <laughs> Uh, they don't see themselves as designing. Mm -hmm. But then I lay this yeah. definition from Simon on them. And I use it to help them see that even though they don't have a professional degree in design, uh, that if they come to work, collaborate with others to get something new established into the world, then they're very much involved in the vital and communal act of design. You know, it, it, yes, products and services are designed, but so is everything from, um, you know, the, the font in the book you were reading last night that the book was set in, to the paper it was printed on, to the technologies that we're using right now to create this podcast. And yes, certainly the laws, policies, communications, and infrastructure that bring us water. Yeah. Um, especially our meetings. Let's start using design thinking around our meetings, folks. <laughs> right. That's right. So, that's exactly right. So, so after I've shared this perspective with people, um, I ask them the same question again. Like, okay, now how many people here do that? How many people come to work and collaborate to get others to, to get things, new things in the world uh, for the express purpose of transforming the existing situation, the preferred one? Uh, and uh, yeah, right. And, and, and typically after I ask that question, you know, 90 to 100% yeah. now answer in the affirmative. And as you can see, what I'm doing is that I, I'm not so much interested in sharing my definition of design so much as I'm, I'm certainly doing that, but, but sharing it in a way that invites them now to see themselves as someone who designs. And now when I say, okay, what's design thinking, they, they're, they've inclined their ear, they're leaning towards, uh, because it's important um, that, uh, for me at least, uh, that they see design thinking as something relevant to them. Um, um, I, 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 I am not there to present some semi-relevant abstract concept to people, but, but, but now they're, they're, they're sort of conditioned to listen that I'm going to define something that's very relevant to them and, um, and something they, for something they didn't realize that they already do, right? So it's a bit of a trick, yeah. but it's a, it's a useful one. And so having said this, when it comes to defining design, you know, I'll typically say, or sorry, when it comes to designing now design thinking, I will just typically say it like this, now that you all design. Design thinking is a mindset that helps you design solutions to your challenges that you know, increase your chances of success. I help to do that thing you're already yeah. doing. And, and, and the key word in this definition is mindset, right? I, I think by, by mindset, um, I simply mean a set of attitudes, um, you know, your mentality, your way of thinking. And, and I say this because, um, the first thing I want to reveal about design thinking is that it's it's not some radically different or difficult process, but a way of working that is very relevant to you and intended to help you know you 
and the people around you design better solutions together. And so again, so this is a bit of a dialogue, right? So often the next logical question is, okay, what's, what is this mindset of design thinking, right? So, okay, so we, we, we start and we unpack the problem. Now I have them. I say, okay, let, let me now share with you these attitudes. And, and here I typically default to the common understanding you'll find in many books and blogs and talks written, you know, written on the topic and presented on the topic. And there are six attitudes, okay, of, of design thinking. And, and again, if you've gone to our workshops or if you've gone to D school, you will run into these. And the first is empathy, right? Mm. Uh, and that simply means that good designers, when faced with a challenge, seek you know deep understanding of those from whom they are designing for. Uh, and 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 you know, in a world as uncertain as complex as ours, <laughs> I don't think you can empathize with your customers or your constituents enough. Right. Um, you know, you, you and your team's yeah. ability to listen to and appreciate their needs and desires and and really all of your stakeholders, right? Uh, I think dramatically increases the chances that you will actually design something that they find useful, usable, and desirable, right? And so empathy is critical. That's the first attitude, right? Love it. Design thing. The se- second attitude. I feel like I want you to say that over and over again. again. <laughs> empathy. So, that's such <laughs> an important empathy. message. Yeah. Well, it's hard yes. to do too. Empathy, empathy. I mean, empathy is one of those things where, you know, if I'm having a bad day, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be too empathetic, but it's critical. It's yes. critical that we do that. I mean, the second attitude is is questioning. Okay. Now, here again, uh, you know, in a world you know as complex and ambiguous as the one in which we live, it's critical that teams who are designing something for other people challenge their assumptions and be allowed to challenge the assumptions of others. We give them permission to do that. Yeah. Um, and 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 for me, this questioning mindset is not to play you know, just the role of devil's advocate per se. For me, it's really one more of humility in that, um, uh, mm. uh, how do I say this? Good designers, in my opinion, question themselves as much as they question others. Oh, good, right? we're great then. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and always and yeah. always in the spirit of learning. In other words, you know, good designers don't seek to be right, but seek to understand rightly. Okay, and that takes a bit of humility. Mm-hmm. But that's that's that whole questioning attitude. I think means always asking questions, always seeking to know more, and then questioning themselves and each other mm-hmm. in a in a healthy dialogue and not in, not being defensive. Now, the third attitude is being visual, uh, drawing, making stuff, making prototypes, expressing things visually. Um, you know when um, you know when designing solutions, uh, especially for complex problems, uh, and you know the uncertain future we, we, we sort of look to. Um, I think you and your team's ability to visualize what you're thinking mm-hmm. and what the future might be like is, is critical. Yes. I, I think we all must yes. stop thinking that drawing and making models is something that only arch- artists and architects do and start literally design thinking, right? That, that, that's yeah. what it means to be visual, put it out there. Stick people are fine, put it out there so we yeah. have something to talk about, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, and somewhat related to to being visual, the fourth attitude that we that we uh, teach is that um, is being imaginative. And again, it, being imaginative might sound more like a skill than a mindset. But you know, to me, to be imaginative in the first place is to have a mind that is not um, perplexed, yes, by, and. or flummoxed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, and by yes, the possibility and. of many possible mm-hmm. futures. Yes, and yes, yeah. and. You know, it's it. You know, to imagine um, and imagine well, I think requires an attitude of openness and inclusion yeah. to what could be, and and I think rests on a, a certain 
uh, belief that, you know, generating and concerning a lot of dif- different and possibly unconventional, unconventional ideas, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's not child's play. You know, it's serious business. I think, I think you have to have that mindset. So, so that's something that we certainly want to build up in people. Um, the fifth attitude uh, is to be iterative. It's related to that, right? It's, it's, you got to build something, but why do you build something? Well, we built in design thinking you build to learn, right? And so, um, you know, I think one of the things it means to be a good designer, or I should say a, a good designer, I think assumes that in order to turn a concept, an idea into a successful solution, you need to iterate to get there. Okay, that's that's the mindset. Mm-hmm. A person with an inclination to iterate assumes that she'll she will need to go through countless iterations, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that there will be failure. Um, and she's a person that has no problem with sharing half-baked ideas and messy prototypes because she cares primarily about learning and knows that you know um, what she's really doing through building and testing concepts, right? The iteration is learning her way to that more preferred reality that, that Simon talks about. It's that iterative process. And that, that's an important attitude. I think that's critical. And, and, and finally, the sixth attitude is about collaboration. Um, uh, and, and I think you know, the best way to sum up um, a person with a collaborative attitude is to, um, is to say that the person assumes that the best way to combat the complexities and ambiguities you face in <laughs> overcoming design challenges, I mean, just look at the world we live in, right? The best way to do that is through teamwork. Um, I, I believe a good designer is one who, at the beginning, believes that the best way forward is paved with trusting other people, yeah. respecting them, inclusion of multiple perspectives, ideas, and the talents of others. And that the only way we're really going to tackle this thing is if we work together. Um, and so you know, that is, I guess, uh, my not so in a nutshell definition of what design thinking I, is. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> You answered. Hey, we are all about the yeah, giant. Yeah, you answered yes. question one and two. Done. Oh, I'm sorry. Check. Yes, you're fine. <laughs> you're but so I'm so glad that. that I don't have to ask my question so much um, <laughs> because really it was just about that. You know that idea that you have to be a an architect. Like when you Google design thinking, yeah. or when I did back, you know, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it's architect heavy. It's you know engineering yeah. even heavy. It, it's, yeah. it's all these other people that qualify that seem like they're qualified to do this. And initially it kind of felt intimidating to Mm -hmm. say that I can be a design thinker. And so I really appreciated um, the Luma system because, and this is like, guys, we're obsessed with all design thinking. Um, but this Luma system, <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't get, get like any, any kickbacks, kickbacks from him. This is just genuine love. <laughs> genuine love that oh, love it. it takes this grand idea or what seems to be this grand idea of you have yeah. to be able to draw and like, you know, come up with, and it, cre- it yeah, creates yeah. these methods and recipes and it, it's yeah. very much for the everyday person. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yeah. going to, I'm, I'm going to just kind of piggyback off your six. Um, it's mm-hmm. not your six, but it's no. design thinking six. <laughs> um, yeah. The yeah. six. Uh, first now. of all, I love that. Of course, everything about design thinking is human centric. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's number one is empathy. Um, I'm super, if, if nothing else, I want people to walk away with design thinking is not this like abstract thing. It's, 
it's these six attitudes and anyone yeah. can embody them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Questioning. I, when you were talking about that, my thoughts were um, when we first kind of started getting into this, like getting in my own head of like, what questions would I ask? Like, how do I do this? Well, that's, what's so great about like yeah, your yeah. system is the questions are there and yeah, yeah. all you, you know, it's, you just plug and chug. Basically. I, uh, it's, it's a great, um, plug and chug. yeah, <laughs> I love it. it's just, there's a great flow, you know, you don't have to mm-hmm. overthink things. Um, I love, Wait. Yeah. Wait, I want to say what yeah. I thought when, when he was talking about questioning, I thought about our, our mentor, Greg oh, Bukash, he everything. is king of, why, but why, why? Yeah. Like, but why, oh, but yeah. why? That's a great and question. So that's, such as that's so strongly mm-hmm. embedded in in all that we do to the point that when we are working with people I disclaimer. have to be, I have to put it out there and make a disclaimer that we're not this is not the inquisition but we are going to ask you a ton of questions because number 1 we're curious and number 2 like that's the greatest way to understanding is to ask right. questions and then that's listen right. so yeah love it and then um visual like you not just you, but design thinking allowed me to tap into my third grade self who used to love going (laughs) to the library and finding the coolest art book to learn how to draw, you know, as a third grader and for whatever, all the grades. Um, but then getting to that point in your, in your life where you suddenly you're not, you're not allowed to do that anymore, you know, and I use quotes for anyone Mm -hmm. listening or, you're suddenly, yes. you know, you've got to focus on this side and not that anymore of your brain. And, and so I was, um, there was always an element of this doodling or drawing. I loved to draw when I was yeah. younger yeah. and I lost that. And so, oh. um, I loved getting back into that through design thinking. I'm not good. There are a lot of stick figures, but I have a lot of fun doing it. And I think that is a lot of fun for me is coming at prototyping with even like using Canva or sometimes, I mean, back in my day, yeah. PowerPoint to, you know, yeah. just make yeah. whatever I could to show what I was trying to really convey. So oh, yeah, I could gave me like permission to get tapped back into that. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of people really respond to the workshops and the programs we do. A lot of it's giving permission to do something that they don't have necessarily permission to do at work or, or things they used to do that sort of creative side. Um, and, you know, yeah, drawing in particular is near dear to my heart. I, I gave a TED talk uh, about two years ago on how to draw anything in the universe. And the whole purpose was to sort of open up people's uh, um, a willingness to go draw more. Mm-hmm. That that drawing isn't a popularity contest. That somewhere, you're right, somewhere in our education, probably around middle school, you know, we, we were taught a couple of things about drawing that aren't true. You, you know, we, we, were, we were taught that... Um, you know, it um, only artistic types can draw. Yeah. Or you had to choose and, band and not mm-hmm. art, you know, you yeah, had to right. choose one elective, not, <laughs> right. not both. And, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. And, we, and we're choir and nobody wants to hear me sing anymore. That's right. I promise you that. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, and likewise, we were taught that as an, it's not important life skill. Mm-hmm. The, drawing is about communication. It's, it's a form of communication mm-hmm. that we sort of press the mute button on, you know, years ago. Uh, and stick figure whatever it takes to to visualize complex ideas or what you're thinking. Yeah. Words just aren't the only way. And it's not there's nothing wrong with words, but you're you're kind of only using half of your um, um, your, your arsenal of ways of communicating. And so that's why we encourage it. 
I mean, cavemen, and you can literally go to any country in the world and start right. drawing to communicate. You don't have to speak their language. You can start drawing. Right. What What were we thinking? Yeah. You know, like, come on. So, um, final yes. thing, doodling. <laughs> um, so just to keep going with this, um, you brought up Greg, Stephanie, and um, and I was thinking about him when he mentioned the imagination or be imaginative part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's something that, again, we're taught to kind of put to the side for a little bit mm-hmm. as we as we grow up. And and I have two six-year-olds and a four-year-old. So I'm in the thick of doodling mm. and imagination right now. And I it is like my <laughs> passion in life now to never let them lose that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I yeah. love... I'm just, I'm giddy over this design thinking thing. It's, it's truly amazing. Um, and I'll, and I'll let you guys talk. If you want to talk more Stephanie about the iterative and collaboration. Cause I'm, I'm, I was just captured by those, those couple first ones, big time. A bit of advice for you, for you and your kids. Um, I, I think we oh, stop yeah. drawing cause we lose the reason to draw because when we associate drawing and making with art and only art was like, well, I don't need to make art. Then we stop doing it. Sure. Um, and, and I, I think there are, a lot of reasons to draw it in art. Um, one of them uh, is understanding our world better. Science. I mean, look at da Vin- mm. look at most of Da Vinci's drawings. Yeah, they were studying yeah. things. Um, but we can do that now. Like, like when we teach stakeholder mapping, which is one of the thirty-six methods that we teach in our system, you're creating a picture of the way the organization relates to one another. That sure. that is a picture. You're drawing yes. that, and you're doing it to understand. Right. So that's the one way I think. So, so, you know, if, 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 like, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to test kids in school, whether they understand it and understand something, can we have them draw it? Like, could they, could they draw yes. photosynthesis instead of just drawing that. it down? Yes. You know, uh, I, so I think, yes. yeah. God. So I, so I think something like that would be great to see. And there, there's a reason. And the other one is just imagining the future, right? I mean, just creating pictures and storyboards and, you know, here's how I, I imagine it, it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's not art. It's, it's very much design. It's, it's, just, it's just saying, it's just trying to create a picture. I'm like, here is my vision of yeah. what I'm doing. And so if we did more of that, I, th- I think we wouldn't lose that skill. So. I have like one little mm-hmm. tangent and I don't care if yeah. I edit this out or keep it, but I have to say this. <laughs> We're already um, there. You've already taken us all well down the tangent. No, it's his fault. Chris's fault. Okay. So when I was in college, um, I studied wildlife and fishery science. And um I could not remember the genus species, the, all the names of the, you know, animal kingdom um by just reading the words. So, but I vi- I'm visual about everything. And so I drew, hand drew every fish, every bird, every animal I had to know about all the pieces I had to know about them on a note card on one side. And then on the other side had a color coded, you know, genus species name that associated some kind of way to make my brain trigger it. And I wish that I kept them um, because it was the most fun. I had them on this huge poster board and I would just lay in bed and flip them up and, and, (laughs) and read through them every night. Um, But on my finals um, after that, I, I made it rain at, one of the bars. So I gave it to the world, oh, you know, boy. so I just let them go. They're gone forever. But it was the most fun. And and so I think it really is important yeah. to, to allow yeah. yourself that freedom to do that kind of thinking mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. that mindset change. Well, I think 
Well, I think the last two are just really important for our sector to remember when it comes to like iteration Mm -hmm. and when it comes to a human, you know, we're focused on designing communication strategies and efforts that are going to resonate. And so like people are, that's going to take some testing to do. And so as a perfectionist, as a recovering perfectionist, the idea of failure is just wonderful for me. Mm -hmm. So, but, so it gives you the permission to do that. And obviously collaboration. I mean, um, actually that's a great segue to our, our next question with collaboration, because that's why we have, that's why we're so passionate about bringing folks from the yeah. outside. Cause I want to hear outside of our sector. Cause I want to hear about different mm-hmm. perspectives and ways of yeah. seeing things and, and approaching problems. Yeah. So, and I believe that our sector is not going to be able to change or solve our biggest challenges in this vacuum. It's going to, mm-hmm. we're going to need to bring others on board with us in order to yeah. do that. And with that mindset in mind, how does design thinking help us collaborate mm-hmm. better? Well, um, a couple of ways I would answer that question. First of all, um, for, to, to me, uh, collaboration requires alignment. And, 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 and by alignment, I don't mean total agreement, but enough agreement so we can advance. And that requires me somewhat maybe giving up what I think, but in the collective, we've talked about this and we're going to move on. You know, and alignment on what? Alignment on the problem we're really trying to solve. Alignment on what our customers are really trying to tell us, because sometimes it's not so obvious. Alignment on the best ideas Mm -hmm. to take forward. We've got tons of ideas. Which one's the best, right? Uh, Alignment on what to prioritize and what to deprioritize. Alignment on what good looks like, right? And uh, and I think this alignment requires dialogue. That that's the collaboration, uh, and, and and I think design thinking, in particular, the the system of methods that we teach, plug and chug, they they, <laughs> I love that. I'm going to use that. Uh, they they give people who are coming from different backgrounds a, a kind of lingua franca, yeah. to design and collaborate, uh, or 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 do what we would say. How how do we make things? better together, right? Mm-hmm. It structures, yeah, I think structure, yeah. structures are our work, how we collaborate, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, you know, in this day and age, you know, most problems I think are wicked. You, you might on the surface think that a communication problem is, is, is simple, but boy, when you take into account all the different hearers and the audience and the mode and where they're going to be and what they might not, you know, it just, yep. uh, and so, um, I, I do think, you know, going back to this idea of collaboration, it does require different people with different skills and different backgrounds to come together, right? But but together, mm-hmm. right, this is collaboration, together yeah. empathize with what the people are trying to say. Together imagine and develop concepts that could solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's that how they do it together, not somebody coming in and everybody just voting yes or no. It's, it's actually building those things together. Um, and, and one of the main values of the Luma system, right, we, we don't teach design thinking as a process. We're careful to teach it as a system, mm-hmm. um, uh, with a system of methods, is that they are very easy to, to learn and adapt, right? As you guys know, they're, they're kind of deceptively powerful, which means they can and, be taught yes. and used in, by a wide variety of people in a wide variety of different circumstances, okay? Um, you know, a good, a good example of this is um, is like the problem framing methods that we teach. Um, um, there's just four of them. There's there's dozens of problem framing methods out there. Some really good ones, but there's four that we 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 teach in our system. And we think if you kind of 
can grok these four, you can do a heck of a lot of cool work. Mm -hmm. but, but one of the first things teams need to do is align on what problem they are solving. Like the last thing you want to do is march down too far and realize like, oh, I thought we were solving this problem. Or, or as I've done in the past, I did a great job solving the wrong problem. <laughs> Just that, you know, yeah. that's happened. And I was like, yeah. Hey. Um, and so, you know, but the question is, okay, you know, we know we need to be empathetic and, you know, um, questioning. And these are like high order maxims. How do I become these How? things? Yeah. And, and so, so, but how do I have a conversation about the problem? The methods in our system that we teach, like abstract laddering and, and uh, problem tree analysis, what, what there are are practical ways of having those critical conversations. Mm -hmm. And in this case, aligning on the problem or the problems that need to be solved. And, and typically you would combine them with other methods. We might come up with different expressions of the problem, but we might you know, come in with a little visualize the vote or, or, or rank them or take them to our customers and say, is this the problem? Is this a good way of the problem? Test them out. Mm -hmm. And so we'll, we'll, we, we combine the methods in different ways to help us get through what we're doing. And I, and I think that's important um, uh, to solving some of the, the biggest challenges um, and collaborating better. You have to have, like, the, the problem... I guess the, 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 the problem that I see with design thinking, um, and I think as an obstacle, is that um, uh, uh, it, it's presented as a process, mm -hmm. right? If you, if you, if you, if you go, I bet you when the first time you Google design thinking, you saw this sort of honeycomb process. Yeah, yep. Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 and my, my, my advice is that don't teach, learn, and apply design as a process. Learn it as a discipline or a set of skills. Um, and, and I think that many uh, people and organizations struggle with the practical application because they fall in the trap of, of teaching and learning and therefore applying design thinking as a one-size-fits-all process. I mean, look, let me, let, me, let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with adopting a process. Okay, processes, whether yeah. they're well, we innovating process. or agile or stage gate, <laughs> they're, they're quite good because they help to provide teams a path forward, time mm -hmm. boxer efforts, and you know, give them a way of, of you know, measuring progress. However, when it comes to teaching, learning and applying design thinking, you, you need to be careful um, not to treat what, a, what is a mindset and a set of skills as an as a orthodoxy, right? Where where it is uh, perceived as just another linear process among many. Oh, I'm yeah. going to use the design thinking process now instead of agile. Like, well, no, agile's design process yeah. is as much as Scrum is, as much as everything. The, the, the idea behind the, the, the system of methods is that they are modular and adaptive and underpin any kind of process. So I don't care if you're doing an agile sprint or you're, you're trying to solve a very simple problem at home. Um, you can utilize these methods in different ways, combine them in different ways to help you reason through the different phases mm -hmm. of a, of a process. So, um, uh, and, you know, just to nerd out a bit, I, if you Google again, you'll see that recently there's been a lot of um, criticism about design thinking, right? You, you may have run into it. Like people, haters. haters yeah. I mean, but you know, <laughs> but you know what? Um, I, I think, I, I think, Teaching design thinking as a process is what is behind much of the recent criticism. Sure. And, mm. and you know what? If that's where they're coming from, sign me up. I would agree because it's like, you know, I understand the need for a, a flow, a, you know, a, a bit of an arc to the work. 
But that's not what design is. Design is what we do every day. You know, tomorrow I have a meeting where we have to sort of have a hard conversation about priorities because I can't get the various stakeholders to agree. I'm ultimately trying to get to a place, but I've got to deal with that situation. And I think design thinking taught as a system of methods helps you get through those little obstacles and hurdles. And that's what makes it practical for people. I think that's what people like about, you know, what we we teach and, and, and equip them with. Yeah, I I really like wow. the way you say that because I was thinking about um with with the methods that we've learned um the recipes that we've made it's almost taken the pressure off of she and I as the facilitators um because it's not our questions it's design thinking's questions you know that are making us work through these really hard conversations so it's almost like like when we're going through the methods it's like we're going to ask you a whole lot of questions. We're going to ask you some tough things. We're going to talk through some tough scenarios. Um, we're going to make you think about those stakeholders, all of them. It's, and it's, to me, it's always taken this pressure off of, of me personally or her personally Mm -hmm. having to Mm -hmm. come up with this, you know, these, interrogating ways that some people, yeah. well, now you can just say it's, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but I mean, honestly, it's, it's structured, like it's changed the way we do the simplest, like meetings. Let's take meetings. I mean, everyone in yeah. utilities knows that, you know, if it's not a four hour meeting, it, d- it doesn't even count, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, but we all are dreading those and, and they're, they get a lot of nothing done. And, right. and you're the, not just your system, but design thinking, when you come to a meeting with, and with this agenda behind, you know, with design thinking in mind, um, it really just kind of focuses you on what do we really need to accomplish or what do we really need to get through? And it just, it's. Yeah. I, I think the mindset to do, change. It is. It is. And, and again, the, the mindsets are the higher ups, but the, the, the system that we teach is, is the way you develop it. It's, it's only through daily practice and yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you want to be more empathetic. Okay. Learn how to go and, and, interview and watch and learn from people. Yeah. Yes. Um, you you want to learn how to yes. be iterative. Okay. Go learn how to make things and you can make things in different ways. And then that's, that's, that's making, and then go look at it, making, looking, understanding, making, right. Yep. Go look at it, test it. There's there ways of testing it and then understand it. Okay. So we got all this feedback. What does it mean? So we can go make again. You, you see, there's a bit of a, a loop there in, in the way we, we work. And yeah, the methods are, are, are meant to give us uh, a way, they're, they're instruments to give us a way of doing the actual collaboration, asking the tough questions, you know, asking somebody not only what they think, but giving them a way to express it and document it in a way yes. that means something mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, as opposed to just like jotting it down in a parking lot or something like right. that. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up prototyping and testing because that's going to segue nicely into my next oh. set of questions. Okay. Um, and we kind of when I first talked about those six, um, attitudes, like I said, iterative, you know, you take that on and that's because it, that is so, I want to come back to that, um, and talk about this more like prototyping, being iterative. Um, I can't even say that word I got with a, with a country accent <laughs> testing. It sounds so, you know, research engineer, those guys yeah. over there doing that. Uh, also scary and overwhelming. Scary and overwhelming. I have to go talk and to people. What I, I'm, ex- you know, it, it's exciting because 
for mm-hmm. the public educator, for example, um, mm-hmm. who's trying to come up with a new program to educate about water conservation. Yeah. Um, they have to go through a series of prototyping, testing. Um, what does that mean? What is, and, and so How do I do that? they're not even realizing, yeah. I know yeah. I wasn't realizing that I was doing that the whole time. I just didn't have a label for it. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. really yeah. not this crazy ambiguous thing. It's, it's just, did this work? No. Why not? Let's try this over here. Like, can you, I want to know more from your, your experience, like, how do we, how do we prototype these communication, education, public outreach? Like how, how do we do this? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, Because you're talking about the more intangible things. And, and, and again, Mm -hmm. tangible things are not traditionally called design. Right. Not toasters. That's right. And, 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 but I think um, the answer is to think about the medium of such intangible things. So for example, um, so, so let's take communication. Let's, um, um, I think you use like, throughout a couple of things like communication, education, let's take communication for a second. Um, if, if, if there was a particular message you needed to communicate to a particular audience, right? That's, that's the goal. Um, one way you could prototype um, that message is by trying to sum it up in a fake tweet mm. or, or perhaps mm. let's, let's create a TED talk. How would we say this at a time? Or perhaps a poster you might find on a street. And, and, and I think creating such tangible representations of your communications and then testing that out, right? You can create these things and, and like, let's say you created four tweets and then you put it in front of people and say, how do you respond to this? Mm-hmm. Or four different posters. How do you respond to this? Um, doing that is a great way to test it out. Not only what you want to say, but maybe how you want to say it, because you guys know as well as anybody you know, um, it's not only what you want to say, but the, the, the was it the medium is the message, right? Yeah. Um, so a little yeah. bit. So, so I, I think it's it's being creative about how we can prototype something quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, it might be a full lecture or it might be a, a printed document. Um, but you know, think about ways to quickly prototype different ideas and get them in front of people. I think would be the first thing. So it is it is kind of making it tangible. But, you know, like, or like education, I think that's another great example. Um, I mean, if you think about the forms education can take or be expressed through, mm-hmm. um, it, you, it gives you a clue as to maybe what we can prototype and test, right? So, for example, you might create a, create a syllabus, right? You know, a syllabus is a representation of a form of education. And, you know, okay, so I've created this thing. Uh, let's do, a, and then how do I want to test it? Okay, I've made, how do I want to look at it? Well, we can do a, a bit of a, a, a cognitive walkthrough of it with key stakeholders. Just like, mm-hmm. well, here's what we think, and they give you feedback. Or, or, or perhaps you know because, you know because education ultimately expresses itself in in a in a type of learning experience. Maybe you create a, a bit of a live model test. I mean, we do this at Luma all the time, where we we stand up a learning experience, maybe a section of it, and we run select people through it, and then have them tell us what they thought of it afterward, and we respond to the feedback uh, and iterate. So, um, it, you know, it's, I, th- I think that might help. Yeah. You said a stand-up learning. What did you say? A learning. Uh, stand-up a live model test. Live model. Uh, oh, so, I so like I'm that sorry. better than we, you know, we would say do a pre and post survey. Um, but we don't ever ask them maybe like, how did they feel? We ask them like, what did you learn? Did you, do you know more now than you did? Like, 
I like this. I like the way you say it. <laughs> well, I mean, you can you can tack on a survey or rose thorns sure. by you know, after you do that, but you're, mm-hmm. but you're building and you put you immerse in the experience and you take a step back. Was that any good? Was that what, any good? What, what yeah. did you like? What didn't you like? Rose thorn. And what ideas do you have to make it better? Buds, you know, boom, yeah. you've got more data you can shake a stick at. And now you can build it again. I'm like, okay, now let's try the live model yeah. test with six different people this way and see if we get better results, you know, and, but then you can do a survey, like on a scale of one to 10, you know, Likert or NPS. What'd you think? You know, would you tell people about this? No, I give it a one. Like, okay, we got some work to do. I have so much <laughs> so, testing I want to do now. <laughs> um, oh you know, my gosh. I, I, but I yeah. love this question because, um, you know, I, I, I actually think going back to that mindset of iterative, right. I mean, iterative is an action, mm. right. But it starts with a mindset. And I think the mindset is that to us designers, right? And to everyone yeah. that, we're, that might be listening to designers, um, um, not giving some kind of form to your ideas before it's real in the world, no matter how intangible it is, should, should sound as crazy to you as an architect not drawing or building a model of the house they intend to instruct, construct. Ugh. It should be that crazy. It's like, Yes, you got to get it out. You know, not everybody's Galdi who can just draw in the sand. I don't know if you know about that that architect in in Spain that just builds up. Like they got to plan and think about it and and plan ahead and build models. And I think we should think the same way. So I I love the question. I agree (laughs) because that is one thing our our audience has a never ending supply of ideas and and these you know wild ways to to connect our community or engage with them and. Yeah. You know, you don't have to know all the answers. Well, I think it's it so. Imp- I think it's so important for us to know that we also get to prototype, and we don't have to spend all this time and effort yeah. and budget into yeah. designing this whole program when we could just find little ways to test oh, yeah. it and to give some framework around our ideas, so it's mm-hmm. easier for us to communicate it than just like, I'm going to create a program about yeah. blah. Or blank. Yeah. I mean, and even then, our pilot programs that we'll we'll throw out there, you know, in from city perspective, like those are always way bigger than, you yeah. know, than these smaller little prototype I, chunks. So yeah, as as Frank Lloyd Wright said, I think is that you can use the eraser on the drafting table or a sledgehammer on the construction site. You know, it's like it's the nice. cost. And there's wonderful books about cost justification of usability. I mean, it is way cheaper to f- fail up front. Yeah, but as things get mm. closer to production and post-production, the the cost goes up a hundred times. I mean, it's yeah. it, there's numerous studies on this. So, so the whole idea of iteration is good business practice. It's like, you know, you'll fail early and often, as they say. Why? Because it's cheaper. Cheaper. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. So there's one thing I have to I have to follow up on before I move on to this next question. But when you talked about doing a cognitive walkthrough oh, with stakeholders, yeah. can you like un- unpack yeah, that sorry. a little bit more? Yeah, I'm, I mean, we're, no, we're, I we're not talking it. about the, the, the Luma system per se, but just so everybody knows that we, t- we teach a system of methods. There are 36. They were called down from over 900 uh, design methods in our research. And and they're, these are some of the most practical sort of atomic essential methods that I don't care what you're doing or what you're designing. If you learn these methods, you can sort of apply them to just any about, about any design, any problem the world can throw at you. And so a kind of walkthrough is actually a variation on um, a usability test. Okay. Um, okay. It's uh, so, so we have a thing called think about 
uh, think about te- think aloud test. We, we teach a method called mm-hmm. think aloud test. And so you can do that in a couple of ways. One way is that I can, I can have you use something in front of me and have you think aloud as you're doing it. Um, a cognitive walkthrough would be, hey, there's nothing too interactive here. There's a, there's a syllabus. Let me just walk you through the, the basic things here. But then you review it. And as you're reading it, think out loud what you're thinking. Like, I don't, know, I don't even know what this means. Or that, that oh, there's good. no way, there's no way you can do that in 20 minutes. And you, you're, you know, you're okay. Yeah. So it's, it's a way of using the information. You are interacting with the information. Sometimes we call that. Um, uh, I always told I was annoying, but. It's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. So that's just the variation on a, a think aloud test that we it. teach. Thank you for giving it. me no, more that's... permission to think aloud. Yeah, man. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yes. All right. So you kind of hinted on those 36 methods, mm-hmm. but I, I want to talk about the motto that's over your shoulder right now that says in service of people. <laughs> um, and you just mentioned how the program is divided into 36 methods that are kind of like the building blocks for the creative design thinking mm-hmm. strategies or uh whatever we went to, whatever we're comfortable with calling them now. How people work together. So talk to us about how people work together. How people work together. There you go. So, but you mentioned a 37th method Mm. and I wanted to talk Uh, about that one. Maybe the other day when we were chatting. Yes. Secret 37th. Uh, Yeah, I I saw that. Uh, I remembered saying that. I went, oh, that's not really a 37th method. Uh, (laughs) Well, it sounded yeah, really great. Yeah. When well, you said it, well let's let, let's talk about the <laughs> motto. But yeah, I, I think it is this a way okay. of thirty seven. It's it's a thirty seventh method. Of what I'm going to talk about here in a little bit is 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 that it sort of um, permeates everything that we do. Um, it's uh, it, like when you think about putting sugar in tea, it sweetens it, right? It doesn't stand apart. It's inside of something, and so it's not a method that sticks out that sort of is in all of them. It's our, our approach and. And when I think about these sort of people, what, what I what I think about, I mean that that's another way of stating um, human-centered design, which is yeah. for us a philosophy of design. Okay, that that it, and the philosophy is ninety-nine point nine percent of the time you are designing for someone else or tip other people. You are yeah. always designing for other people. And um, it's your design must be in the service of those people. Now, sometimes it's different people and you, and sometimes those people will have competing needs, but it's never for your, yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not self-centered design. It's human-centered design. And this is a philosophy mm-hmm. because I think if you're going to be empathetic, I think if you're going to use the tools, you've got to remember, what am I doing? Yes. Is in the service of people. If at the end of the day, um, the it, what, what determines um, the more preferred situation? Me? No, it's the people. They tell us with their money or their votes or their lack of complaints or, you know, it, it's got to be useful, usable, desirable to them. And therefore, by definition, that's the philosophy that we're always doing that. So in the service of people, and, and I take a, a step further, I, I think um, when, when I think about human-centered design in the service of people, I, it's the the default position is how may I help you? What can I do for you? Mm -hmm. We think of, I think of design, good design as a gift. Like, do you know that feeling Mm. you get when somebody hands you 
a, a really good gift. Like, you know, it's like, you know, if our designs for other people could feel like that, they, what they do is they anticipate, they don't just meet the needs. They, they, they exceed our expectations mm -hmm. and that's hard to do, particularly we're talking about other people, but man, that's, that's the gold standard. Mm -hmm. When, when we can yeah. deliver something and people go, oh, wow. How did yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I think that is the essence of human centered design. And that's a philosophy of design. It's something that's always in the back of our mind. And so when we're doing our work, when we're iterating, when we're trying to be more empathetic, particularly when we don't have a bad day, it's the thing that gets out of bed is like, Hey, we're doing this to help other people. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's in the service of the other people. And, and I, th I would say, and you know, I, I remember, you know, that has to do with thoughts like humility. I think in order to do that, you got to have enough humility to, to not defend your ideas, but to, to have people shoot them down. I mean, you know, I went to design school. The first thing they teach you is that don't identify. It's not about you. It's mm -hmm. about the thing you're doing. And that if people hate the work, they don't hate you. Or if they don't like it, it's not about you. It's, it's, it's about the work and get, and, and it's a gift. That's a gift back to you to say, okay, I got this wrong. Let me do this. It's always in the service of people. So it's a bit of humility and generosity. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's five o'clock. Do I stop working? No, I'm really invested in this because I think we're onto something that might make the world perhaps a little better if right. we can get this thing out the door. And so that's the thing that sort of, I think we need to have. And I would say is this, I don't know, 37th method or this thing that permeates uh, all of this stuff. I, yes. <laughs> and <laughs> very applicable to anyone who works in municipal government, 100%. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. 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 Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's so, you're right. That is so mm -hmm. hard to do, especially on the bad days when, you know, like we said before, it's a lot harder to be empathetic when you're, <laughs> when you're having a bad day, yeah. but in the service of people is, and, and that's one of the things that I love about design thinking is that it forces you to constantly remember mind. that yes. because at its essence, it is human centric. And I love that, um, for anyone listening, if you hear this, then this should be like a ding, ding, ding. They're talking <laughs> about design thinking is when you hear people start to ask the question, how might mm -hmm. we, yeah. and I love that. It's like that we of, <laughs> Not like, how am I going to solve this? How are you going to solve this? It's how are we going to solve this? And I think that that's just such an important um, message for all of us to remember as we're collaborating on these wicked mm -hmm. problems, as you say, super yeah. important. Well, I thought that you were almost going to hop right into answering the, the last and final oh. question that we have <laughs> for you. It's one that we ask all of our guests, the same question. Yeah. Um, but doing the work that Ariane and I used to do with utilities, we used to have people say, or just environmental work in general too, people would say, well, what difference does it make if I make this change? Like it's, I'm just one person. Mm. And so obviously Ariane and I wholeheartedly disagree with that because we believe that, uh, change can be contagious and you never know what you're going to inspire in yeah. others. So yeah. yes. Yeah. So what is the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? <laughs> nice, simple, easy one to end Boom. on. First of all, I want to say that um, my wife knew what I was going to be doing. And she, oh, tell them she was listening into the conversation we had last week when we met that I, she was awakened by the, the, the fact 
remember I told you, tell me something I don't know, communicate to me that 2 million people yeah. are, are, do not have access to clean, safe drinking water in right. America, yeah. blew her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wanted to, to say that, 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 that was eye-opening and you guys are doing important work and it, it got through to me and she was eavesdropping and said, I didn't know that, you know? Wow. And uh, so anyway, I appreciate you. Uh, and I know there's other things. One more that, in. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I know there's other things about infrastructure, crumbling infrastructure and things like that, 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 that are very important to what you do, but that, that did get through. And um, so I want to applaud what you guys are doing. I think it's wonderful. It's Thank wonderful. you. So, okay. So, but what, one thing I'm most passionate about, it's, it's, it isn't water. It is now, but the one thing. <laughs> Right? Everybody's got their their thing, and I, I love it. And we're we're delighted that uh, we could be a service to you guys as you pursue that that passion for change. I would have to say that at the, at the outset, you probably threw out this weird term for people who never heard it. This thing called universal design literacy. Like, what is that? Mm, yes. Um, and that's just that's just a thing of of mine that I've been passionate about even before Luma. Uh, uh, I, I think. I think we need to start looking and at and teaching design as a liberal art, as as found even more than liberal art, as, as foundational to our education as reading, writing, and arithmetic. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, mm. um, and I often use math as an analogy. You know, the fact that we're not all mathematicians, but we're all math literate has a lot to do with the way we live. Right. Think about the ones and zeros right now. Yeah. <laughs> the computation yeah. that we, yeah. the infrastructure that math provides and think about yourselves. If, if you weren't math literate, probably couldn't even drive a car, you know, yeah. you know, understanding numbers, you know, uh, uh, my tank is half full. You put portions, right. all those things. Right. And, and I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I imagine a world um, in which hundreds of millions of people, maybe billions, let's say a billion people have imagine a world where a ton of people, <laughs> right. Have mastered the basic design skills uh, so they can you know, frame problems really well together, deeply understand you know, people and situations, generate a lot of unconventional ideas. It just comes naturally, right? Naturally is addition, subtraction, multiplication. Build prototypes, test assumptions, iterate quickly, right? The, the, all the hallmarks of good designers. Ima- imagine if that was a skill that was just there. Like, like we, 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 you, we're, we're literate in math. We, we, I know we're not math experts, but we use it at will. Mm-hmm. We use it to do what we do. And, and imagine if we were like that, um, mm-hmm. skilled at, at, you know, skilled at this changing existing situations and deferred ones. Um, in my view, um, one idea can change the world. Uh, certainly what you guys are doing can change the world. But, but mine would be um, more people leveling up in design and working together to bring about the millions of changes, big and small, yes. uh, is it, this world needs, uh, as I think would literally change everything, right? So it's, it's not the one idea, it's, it's leveling up. So every, like people like you and people like, you know, you name it, are- All of you listening. listening. Are, are changing, making changes, are, feel equipped are given permission to work together to make changes to the world around them. I think over time, those, all those changes will add up into a really a different world. Right. That, that, so that, yeah. so, so just, but I, I think, I think it's, I think we've got to put design in its proper context 
teach more people, equip them, help them mm-hmm. apply design the way you're applying design to your tough problems, mm-hmm. but have everybody working like that. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not just a handful of people, but to have the whole water sector or the whole, you know, government. I mean, imagine if laws were designed, really designed. Wow. The policies, you know, Hilly yeah. one of my goals wow. is to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine if the, the, the Oval Office was full of whiteboards and they were working out problems Ooh. instead of just all these doodlers know, everywhere and you know, just, just iteration. I might want to run for president. Oh, then. I mean, you yes. know, it collaborating on stuff. So I, I think that, um, I think that would be the one thing they were empathetic and questioning. Oh my god, my mind is blue. Yes, yeah, that would be the wow. thing. Does that make sense? Yes, how might we yes. create a world of design thinkers? How might Rogue Water Lab and Luma Institute work together to <laughs> make your dream Boom. come true, Chris? I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wow. I love it. So, yeah. Wow. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for just putting this out mm-hmm. into the world and to giving us this amazing set of this amazing system that we have used to, I mean, it's totally changed the way that I look at the world and humbled and honored. The way that we do our work the way that we do our work and I mean, it's um, changed my marriage. You know, I'm like com- rose, rose thorn bud this baby. I'm like, <laughs> what do we need to change here? What do we need to grow? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. We just did it. It's true. So I, yeah. I was just going to, I was just, nope, you, you go. Cause I was going to, I was going to say, it, we just yeah, did an interesting your post about that, about using uh, the methods at home. Ah, um, nice. So, so, so organizing <laughs> chores. In fact, I, yeah. I obviously did one with, with my son, Leo, who was, he's 15 now. We're trying to think about what he might want to do for work. And, um, and he and his, his mother were having a bit of a discussion, but she wanted one thing and he didn't want it. I'm like, well, let's explore. You know, it, it was about being, um, being a, being a um, lifeguard. Oh. And it's like, well, that's one way that you could find work. So we did a creative matrix. One of the methods we teach, we came up with 46 other it. ideas. Yes. And then we, turned the sheet over and we did a bit of importance difficulty. I'm like, well, what, how, how can we understand which ones are sort of the sweet spot for, for you, Leo? What, what's, and so we just did it and we had a bit of a better understanding of what he was looking for, what yeah. we were looking for in doing this. It wasn't about the money. It was about starting to teach him, you know, how to participate and yeah. take responsibility. Right. And so anyway, but yeah, great stuff. That's Sorry. awesome. You can, you can edit that uh, out. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I love that yes, real, life real life application. application. That's amazing. Yeah, yes. But again, thank you so much for sharing your story and your insights with with us in our sector. It's it's really important to us, and so we are beyond fangirling and and honored to to have you join us. So well, thank, thank you. you both very much. I really enjoyed the conversation, and uh, best of luck to you both. We are so grateful for each and every one of you, all the members of our listening community. The Water in Real Life podcast is a Rogue Water Lab original. It's hosted by the H2 duo, that's us, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. It's produced by Rogue Water Lab, 12 Midnight, and Matt Black Sound. Sound design and music by Andre Black and Matt McNeil of Matt Black Sound. For more Water in Real Life, check out our YouTube channel and sign up for our lab notes. You can find both at roguewaterlab.org.